Welcome to Between the Covers, the show for readers and writers and lovers of books. I'm Stephanie and I'm a publisher at Red Penguin Books, where we publish books of all types and genres. So whether you have a book in your head or something ready to go or even 300 sheets of loose leaf. And yes, at least once a month, I do receive an envelope filled with 300 sheets of loose leaf. Please visit us at redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. I'm so delighted today to be joined by authors and poets who have certainly unleashed themselves. Our first author today is Hannah Louise Smith, who is the author of Awakening, Mythics Hi. and Mortals, book one. Um, the author writes of Awakening, Christina Jones had always thought that she was normal, just your typical unlucky woman. But this all changes on her 21st birthday when she falls, quite literally, headfirst into a world that was thought only to exist in ancient Greek mythology. With her new friends, Sophia Romaine and Lucas Teravin by her side, Christina has to fight not only to control her developing powers and remember who she is, but also to fight the demon that hunts her for a mysterious figure called the master. Ooh, please welcome all the way from England, author Hannah Louise Smith. Thanks so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. I am so thrilled to have you and wow, what a storyline. I, you know, where do, where do you dream these things up? Was it a dream or where did this come from? Um, well, I was kind of just like, going about my business like during the first lockdown and COVID and everything I am a central worker I work in a retail area uh, Tesco I don't know if anyone's heard of it um, and I just sort of like thought oh why not like I'm sort of I've got some time in between my university courses so I might as well just sort of like write a book I've always sort of wanted to but never really had the confidence to so it's kind of like oh why not <laughs> I, I adore that. I love the way you said it so flippantly, like, well, in between my university courses, I just thought I wanted to write a book. And I did. You know how many people I deal with every day who are like, I can't write a book. And in between your university courses, during lockdown, you wrote a book. Yeah, it sometimes like it was sort of it was a lot easier to do certain parts than others because it's just I needed that little thing to keep me sane because I live at home and you had like everyone at home, the kids were like being taught at home and everything because of all the lockdown. So home learning, it's like that little bit of like sanity that I had between like work and everyone being at home. Absolutely. How crowded is it at home? Are you like the oldest of a bunch of kids or something? Yeah, I'm the eldest of six. You've got my parents, uh, three younger brothers, two younger sisters, a Siberian husky who's mine. He's called Logan. Um, my brother's leopard gecko, which is currently in the room with me, and two goldfish. Oh my gosh! I don't know how you found time to write anything with all that going on. Uh, sometimes it's easy just to like set a little bit of time away. Like even if you write a sentence a day, like you're still making progress. I like that. You're absolutely right, even if it's a sentence. Now, you wrote that this is book one, which means that there's more to come. So tell me a little bit about how did you know there was more to come? Tell me about that. 
Well, um, when it comes to books, especially like when you're starting out self-publishing author, it's like it's a lot easier to sort of like write a series of books to sort of like get people's interest because no one really knows your name if you're just going to like write the one book. So it's easy just to sort of do a trilogy and I didn't really want to stop at the one book. It's like, oh, I'll do a trilogy. It's going to be amazing. The second book actually comes out next month, which I'm really excited about. Oh, fantastic. Boy, and you are you are preaching to the choir here. Um, Linda, our other author on this call, has heard me probably say a million times to other people, please write more than one book. Nothing helps to sell your book as much as more books. Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes. so so hannah did you have this whole storyline in your head how does that go with you did you like think of the whole thing or did you just think of one character and you just started writing and the rest of it just came out well i sort of sat down and started planning originally um awakening was going to be set in a library with like christina being the guardian of this magical book and everything like that but then it's like oh that seems a little bit like overdone on the nose and I did want to expand and include Greek mythology so I've built like this whole sort of world where you've got the mythic immortal realms they're together they coexist but they're like they're completely separate as it was and I just sort of like built from there and I try to like add reality to the characters instead of just being like 2D people. Did you read a lot of Rick Reardon? Um, I don't think so no um <laughs> The name does sound familiar. Um, I'm strangely thinking of like the Percy Jackson That's series. It. That's who wrote the author. author. Um, no, yeah. I haven't read any of his books. I watched the first two films and I am looking forward to the uh, Netflix series coming out or I think it might be Disney. I'm not too sure. Okay, so it definitely snuck in there, didn't it? <laughs> a little bit. I've always liked uh, Greek mythology. Like, oh. You've got all the myths and legends, Medusa, like the Minotaur in the labyrinth. And it's like there wasn't really much in the way of like Greek mythological fiction, right. like in that actual literature. I mean, you've got Circe, you've got Song of Achilles, you do have like the Percy Jackson series. So I kind of wanted this to be like a little bit more older and like more real. So okay. sort of like set in the modern world. Uh, I, you were you were talking Linda's language before when you said it was originally going to be set in a library. I saw her light up and then you said, nope, changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Linda yes. happens to be a librarian, so she lives for books that are set in libraries. That's yeah, I, I could totally open a library right here, right now. <laughs> Absolutely. So so Hannah, as you were working on this book and, and it was evolving, did you kind of say, okay, this is where book one stops. This is book where book two, like, did you have notes? I hear about writers with post-its and charts and spreadsheets and how much organization went into this? Tell me about that. Oh, a lot of organization. Um, I wrote down like all the rough plans sort of like for book one book two book three and I've sort of like written down what's going to happen in each chapter and it's like writing down the plan is wow. one thing but then when I actually get to writing the rough manuscript because I handwrite all of that and then I type and edit I kind of like I add stuff I added I think at least like two or three more chapters to the second book than originally planned you handwrite first 
Oh, yeah. It's a lot easier that way because it's like you've got the rough copy there and then as you type up, you change and edit. Plus, it's always helpful in case someone tries to like turn around and say, oh, you stole my work. And it's like, well, actually, I've got the rough manuscript copy right here. So You are absolutely <laughs> right about that. If you keep your original, there is no way that anyone could think you stole it if you hand wrote it. Look at that. So you handwrite it and then as you're typing it, it's going through like edit number one. Is that what you're saying? Like it's it's being edited as you type. Yeah, definitely. I'm currently working on a separate project away from the Mythics and Mortals trilogy. And I've typed up the first two chapters and I've split chapter two into like two <laughs> chapters. So it just, I run with it. And then afterwards I sort of stop typing after five chapters, edit what I've got write up all the edits and then afterwards like listen to the whole thing through um word audio so i sort of pick up any like bits that can be changed here and there wow oh, that's fabulous to listen you to are you. doing all the right things all the right things right? absolutely Ab unbelievable you know she's and and doing them all with all of those kids and animals in the house <laughs> i think i sometimes think that that's an advantage because I am not good at blocking things out because mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of noise in my house. So I am really bad at that. And it sounds to me like you found a way to carve out your world. Yeah. Spotify does help. It's like, I'll put my headphones in and that's it. Like, I'll just write. And it's like, damn, right. Where did all these pages come from? Wow. That's just amazing. And, and, you know, you said another project. So you have this book that we're talking about right now. You said that book two in this series is coming out next month, but then you mentioned another project. Yeah, it's like I get inspired. I write down all the ideas in a notebook and then I sort of just like, oh, I really should work on this project because it's like I'll be inspired to work on it. And I am taking like a sort of year break between the second and the third Mythics and Mortals books because oh. there there is um like sort of gaps in between. So there's a six month gap between Awakening and the second book. And then there's like a sort of year gap between the second book and the third book. Fantastic, fantastic. Are you still in university or did you finish during all this lockdown? Oh, I uh, finished last year. I got my joint degree in English and History with the Open University. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but I, I, just, like you I just worked so hard. It, it, I don't even know how I managed to pass because no one knew what was going on. There was so much conflicting information with COVID and what was happening. So I actually managed to pass it, thank God. I'm not surprised. And English and history. Doesn't that sound like the perfect double major for Hannah writing these books? English and history. I love that. That's amazing. Tell me, when you finish Greek mythology with this third book, are you going to do Norse mythology? Or are you going to do uh, Roman mythology? Or are you going to do something completely different? Um, well, I am doing stuff that is completely different. The current project that I'm working on is going to be an epic fantasy based on uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I know yes. that that is rather big in America and especially with the release of Stranger Things season four, that was absolutely amazing. They did such a good job with that. I can't wait for season five. Um, and I'm just sort of like, I'm gonna work on that. Hopefully that can be ready and released by Halloween next year. I'm sort of trying to stick to a timeline schedule. Look at you with a schedule and everything. I am just loving that. And, and I'm loving the handwriting. The handwriting of the manuscript really, really gets me, that's for sure. So tell me something, when you're, when you're picturing this, when you are working on this book or any of your projects, 
do you see it? I mean, I, I hear from your talking that you, you do watch films and television. Do you actually see your book happening as it's, as you're typing? And if so, who's the actors and actresses that are starring in it? Ooh, um, well, I do sort of like imagine in my head it playing out like a movie. Now, I'm really terrible with names. Like, <laughs> everyone can quote me on this. I'll be talking about someone and be like, oh, yeah, the guy that played that character in this film. And they're just like, what, you mean this actor? And I'm like, that's the one. Um, <laughs> I'm the same. So, <laughs> so um, for me, it would be... Um, and I apologise to any of the actors and actresses if they do watch this. I'm just going to, like, say your character name from, like, what you've been in. Um, yes. Lucas, for me, would be uh, Connor from Primeval. I don't know if anyone knows that because it is a really old sort of, like, British TV show, which was <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, the character who would play Hades is uh, Thorin Oakenshield from the Hobbit films because he, oh, okay. he has this powerful presence that I want for my King of the Underworld uh -huh. and he like it is gonna be uh really good Christina Jones I kind of based her a little bit off me it's just like her sass and her sarcasm and it's like as I wrote her and like write her scenes it's like how would I react in this situation I mean, like, especially during the first chapter where it's like she's getting attacked and chased through London by this random demon. It's like, right, how would I, like, react to that? Obviously, I would fight first, try to get away, and then go to, like, a crowded place of safety to actually, like, get some help here. Right, right. It, it, it was, uh, it, they were fun to write. Like, all the characters were really fun to write. It's funny, I was about to ask you that next, if you were a little bit in your main character, Christina, yourself. I do sort of like add a little bit of myself to my main characters. I mean, like you've got like Christina Drench, she's a strong woman. It's like she's had to try to like make her own way in the world because for the first 25, um, 21 years of her life, it's like she's had no family whatsoever. She's like being really strong, reliant on herself. And then it's just like she finds this inner strength and just constantly finds the strength and support through the books. That's fabulous. That's just fabulous. I cannot wait to watch the movie. That's for sure. <laughs> Our next book today, one might think is completely different. Uh, Linda Trott-Dickman is the author of Catching the Light, Poetry Prompts, for children of all ages. And our poet writes, the Catching the Light is for all of you who would be, could be, and already are poets. Whether in the classroom, community center, or homeschool community, this little book will guide you through some of poetry's basic forms. This fun volume not only provides poetry prompts, but a helpful resource area in the back that will guide the leader through many unanswered questions that they might have. Come on now and catch the light. I'm so delighted to have with me today, poet Linda Trott Dickman. Thanks for being here. I'm very happy to be here, always. <laughs> and, and actually I was thinking, you know, I, you know me, I always like when our, our guests tie together and I think you tie together so well because Hannah is exactly the person that you would want readers of Catching the Light to evolve and become, to find that they can do this and channel their creativity. What I love about you, Hannah, is that you are so self-directed and focused and that you plan 
And I don't know if you've read Peter and the Star Catchers. Um, um, I don't think so. No, I think it okay, might be on well, my to read list. It's it's um it's a part of the Peter Pan story. And the two authors, Ridley Pearson and um, Dave, I can't think of his name right now. Um, the two of them are are like night and day. And Ridley Pearson puts up on his wall. If he's going to do 30 chapters, he puts 30 chapters on the wall. And Dave just, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and he, he's very seat of the pants productions and they, and they did well together. I met them when the book, when the book launched. And uh, I thought of how much you are, you remind me of Ridley Pearson in that way is that you plan and you know, and you do and you change and you revise, but you've got a plan and an arc of action. That's awesome. Absolutely. I love Thanks. that. You know, and that's why I said right off the bat, I deal with so many people daily who want to do things or they say they want to do things, but those things never come to pass. Hannah, you showed us you can do things. Oh, I still suffer from imposter syndrome. There are some days where it's just like, damn, am I actually like qualified to be an author? Because I'm not signed with any publishing companies. I'm doing it all myself. And like, it's basically like luck, really. I mean, like, it's luck that I managed to get in touch with like a PR person <laughs> who gives me like, all these opportunities. And uh, it is like lucky as well that I'm actually like in a bookshop as well. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard of the book Dragon. It's an up and coming independent Indian self-published bookshop where they stock loads of books from self-published authors and they really help. So I have a book signing in March, which I'm really excited about. What's the name of the bookstore again? The Book Dragon. I love it. Okay. And no, both both Linda and I shook our heads. This has nothing to do with luck. Um, there's a whole lot of manifestation going on, perhaps, but most definitely not luck. Hard work, talent, and direction. And that's what is leading to you. So that's just amazing <laughs> what you're doing. We love that. Linda, tell us a little bit about Catching the Light. What inspired this? So my husband and I traveled to Maine quite a bit and um we were in this place called beth's farm market and all and the place is filled with organic produce and homemade everything and it is just a a wonderland of of healthy and interesting foods <laughs> and so um she does a lot of business in the summer you would as you would imagine in the fall because they have the flowers out and everything anyway so we go into the store and there's this little boy on the floor and his hands are cupped. And I, and I turned to his mother after I, after I heard their conversation and she says, what are you doing on the floor? And he said, mommy, I'm catching a fairy. And so I, I said to her, do you mind if I take his picture? And she said, no, I said, I don't want his face. I just want to get a shot of him catching the light. And that's where it was born. Um, so I started to, I started to write, that's the little boy um, who, who has been um, uh, illustrated, but that's what he was doing on the floor. And the light was coming in through a hole in the roof, not a big hole, just enough. And he was there trying to capture it. And it was just so beautiful. And so that's what launched my, my head into that kind of a thing. And I have been writing with children for 40 years um, conservatively and I, I've, all the prompts are field tested. All the all the kids I have, I still have samples of the kids' work um, over time because 
they just had so much fun and they told me, oh, Mrs. Dickman, you need to do this or why don't we try this? And so it's really filled with things that have been tried and true. I, I love that field tested prompts. You know that they're going to work. They have been tried out to death. You have had kids say, not this one, or I like this one. And you know what's going to work. I, I also have to say, I am so thankful for the people who reviewed the book for me. They are also incredibly well-known in their fields. Um, two of them are children's poets, and one of them is a very particular book reviewer who is merciless. <laughs> merciless, I tell you. And he sent four pages of, wow, I just sat there and wept when I read it. Well, it I, so I, nice. I hope you take that and put it all over your refrigerator or all over wherever you're working because all of us, like Hannah mentioned, um, do have a tendency to suffer from imposter syndrome, no matter who. Yeah, I never knew what that was called. I'm sure that Bill Gates suffers from imposter, maybe not Bill Gates, but- Yeah, I don't um, think so. I think pretty much uh, it's a given. It's part of the human condition to question and doubt ourselves. And um, definitely when you get those wonderful reviews or um, awards or whatever it is you're getting, please hang them all over the walls. Don't feel like, oh, I shouldn't brag. You should totally brag to yourself because sometimes we forget how awesome we really, really are. I do that with letters. And, and Linda, you've been a teacher your whole life. I'm sure you have some fabulous letters oh i do and uh and you save them and cherish them and you could read them when you're thinking eh, am i really all that no yeah i i called it the orange folder orange you glad you saved this letter so i had the orange <laughs> folder in my in my i had one copy and then i gave all the letters to the school secretary and it went to my file so when i went to retire and I said, I'm thinking of retire. I'm thinking of subbing. The women at the desk said, oh, no. And I said, why? And she said, do you know how many folders you have of letters? And I said, no. And she said, there's three big folders of people writing about you. And I thought, wow, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that so was really it's really nice to be remembered like that. But it is important that you know how talented and important and vital you are. Both well, and this, this book was so challenging, as you know. Um, I would get through, the. I mean, this is, you're probably great at this, Hannah. Um, this particular book is harder than any other one for me because I would send Stephanie my changes and I would say, I think we're done. And then she'd send back the revised edition and now all of a sudden other things stood out. It's like when you, you know, you fix a seam and then you you take the garment and turn it inside out, and there's another there's another seam that needs. Help. Oh yeah, it's like there's constant holes that you need to sort of try and fix. And so this was uh, my fr I told my friend about it, and she said this was a difficult birth, but it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, I think the secret is next time you should write it by hand first. Yeah, well, <laughs> next time is already happening. I have two more books to send you, and. Um, <laughs> I've already started the revision process now, yeah. like beyond what I have already done. I've started to re-revise again. <laughs> yeah. Well, both of you are a huge lesson in how what you write first is not 
the finished product. And I think that that's a huge thing for people to hear from successful writers like yourselves, is that I think that sometimes people think, oh, I wrote this and it's, it's not good. Well, you know, it's not supposed to be. It's a rough draft. It's it's like your first attempt. And and Hannah, you spoke about writing by hand first, and then and then you you type it in. And while you're typing it, you add to it, you subtract from it, you change it, <laughs> and then you're editing. Then you're putting it on voice back so that you can hear it. There were obviously a lot of steps there. Oh yeah, I've learned quite a lot from uh, publishing my first book, especially because uh, I self-published on Kindle Direct Publishing, uploaded the manuscript, and it wasn't until my dad actually read my book about like a week or two after it actually went live that he said, you know that you've got some spelling errors here, and I'm like, what? So <laughs> it turns out I'd actually um, uploaded the copy that didn't have like loads of corrections in it. So I had to quickly fix that. And um, if you look at the paperback, anyone who buys my paperback, you will notice a little bit of like a formatting issue, which unfortunately I can't fix because I changed my laptop from a HP to a Mac and the original copy was lost. Oh my God. And I cannot get that back. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I love hearing these. These things are so important for other people to hear because other people are sitting there right now saying, oh God, I did the same thing. I uploaded something with, with errors. I changed computers. I To all my fans out there, I'm so sorry. Don't look at page 37, please. Everybody's thinking that. And I'm oh, so grateful oh. to say it. I will tell you, Hannah. My my last book was a road trip story. I write poetry about road trips. And uh, I, I mean, I write poetry about lots of things, but this last book was road trips. And I'm reading, I'm doing the book launch at my girlfriend's coffee house. And I start to read about these incredible longhorn sheep in the, in the West and how they were having, a, they were up grazing, but the book read gassy graze. <laughs> And the word was supposed to be grassy grace. And I'm up and that's there, and over next, you know, like in the audience. And I went, and they were having a grassy grace. And when I showed her later, I mean, it was funny and it, I still have copies of it. But I mean, <laughs> that was one that was a faux pas that made people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like reading your stuff. I've been known to be at a reading, reading something I wrote. And as I'm reading it, I'm fixing it as I'm reading it out loud because I'm saying, yes. oh, no, 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 no. Live edit. <laughs> live edit. Is that the word for it? Live edit. And then after you do the live edit, you have to go back and say, okay, now let me fix this before anybody else buys a copy of this. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it happens. It happens to everyone. Hey, at least I caught it. Linda, at least you caught it. <laughs> I'm so thankful so thankful so thankful <laughs> you know but it, it's so good for others to hear because like I said at the beginning when when Hannah I was commending for for just do it that's the, like the Nike you know just do it so many people put up so many roadblocks to themselves and and Hannah I love your youth and your energy and you just did it and we don't have, you know, six kids, dogs, cats, and geckos distracting us. And and yet you- And dinosaurs. 
and dinosaurs <laughs> this is not my room uh this is like my brother's sort of like bedroom slash office so i'm just sort of like using it because everyone's asleep upstairs the girls have school in the morning so <laughs> it, it's pretty fun that's that's hilarious i like the dinosaurs i'm i was thinking maybe your next book was gonna have dinosaurs in it or something like that but you are a, a huge 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 inspiration and um and and i love that uh we we have somebody who's so inspiring and linda someone who lives to inspire others because that's really what you do is you are a huge inspiration to others you work with young poets and older poets and and writers of all genres in order to help them to capture their own life and i just can't thank you enough for all you do for people and the writing community it's huge I, can I tell you something exciting? Yes, Do we have time for one exciting thing? Absolutely. We always of have course. time for exciting things. I had this, I, okay, bullet points. Bellingham, Washington in the United States on the very far Northwest coast has this beautiful poetry walk around their public library. I started getting a blog from there and I said, why can't we do that here? And I started to push it, push, push, push. No, no, no. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And finally, I spoke to the Northport Arts Coalition, and we have been approved for a poetry walk on the harbor in Northport. Yes, that's brilliant. It's so exciting. That's amazing. That it is. is so amazing. When is this going to happen? I want to be there for the ribbon cutting. I will let you know, but here's my favorite part. When I told my then fourth grade student, Natalie, that I wanted to do that, she wrote me a letter and left it on my desk and it said to whom it may concern mrs dickman has an idea and you really should listen to it and it was this whole convincing letter why the thing should happen and that's going to be a part of the ceremony because wow oh she's now in know. high school <laughs> you could do it and you did it that's unbelievable yes and yes she has to be there at the ribbon cutting ceremony as well indeed I wonder, did her letter, was that the, 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 the final straw that pushed you over the edge? <laughs> it inspired me to know that, A, this fourth grader could write like an adult and they have to do in school a, a, a letter of persuasion. I'm sure everybody everywhere has to do that. When she wrote one and I was convinced that it needed to happen. And, um, and I did all the research. And when I talked about it at the Northport Arts Coalition meeting, which I have at seven here, um, I, we found out this past week that it's going to happen and it, it's been a couple of years in the making and it's been approved and i'm like what <laughs> amazing congratulations i think thank that's you fabulous just so fabulous um for both of you before we break um we are entering the huge huge shopping season so what i'm asking is if you could tell me and we'll start with hannah who should I be buying a copy of this book for? I have a huge gift list, as do all of our viewers. And tell me a little bit about who on my gift list am I buying a copy for? I would say definitely young adults. It's a young adulty book, sort of like, well, I on Amazon, I put the age um, from 12 upward because I think it would be great for like teenagers and preteens. My brother Aiden read it and he's... 13 14 so he loved it and he thought it was a brilliant idea so it's just like anyone really anyone who wants to read it well that's fantastic because 
that is a really difficult age bracket to buy a present for. So I love that. Now, did you say it could be girls or boys or? Oh, yeah, it can be anyone who's interested in it, really. It's like it with my books, I don't really sort of want to like limit it to like one gender or one like category of age. It like my books are basically open to anyone. If they like it, great. If they don't, oh, well, it's not for everyone. Like it's down to personal taste. Like oh. there are some books people absolutely love, like Hard Times by Charles Dickens, Moby Dick. People love these books. I absolutely hated those books. <laughs> But I'm never going to get that time back. I understand. I understand. And I also love that it is the first book of a series. So for all of our holiday shoppers and readers, uh, once you love it, there's more to come, which is so amazing. Uh, Linda, same question to you. Who on my gift list am I buying a copy of Catching the Light? You are buying a copy of Catching the Light for the Closet Poet who doesn't want to admit that they write yet, but they really want to try it without anybody judging them or grading them. You are buying this for your relatives who have children who like to write, for your homeschooling friend, for your private school friend, for the teacher in the classroom who never knows what to do in April because they're just afraid of poetry. So many teachers are afraid of poetry. They think they have to be, everybody thinks they have to be Walt Whitman or Emily Dickinson, and not everybody has to be anybody except themselves. So you're buying it for a group where someone is working with a group of people and they only wanna do one thing out of the book. There's really, I can't think of anybody. In fact, a friend of mine in Malaysia wants to know if I can send it to the European Union of English speaking countries and market it over there because he's already field testing it in Malaysia. Oh, fantastic. So you you certainly just described a whole lot of people on my list, which is just fabulous for all of our shoppers. Uh, Hannah and Linda, I cannot thank you enough, not just for your talent and the books that you bring, but for your inspiration, because honestly, I think you have just inspired a whole nother generation of writers, and I can't thank the two of you enough. Um, both of you have things in the works. So promise me when that next thing is out that you'll join me back here between the covers. Yes, Hannah? In of course. Absolutely. In yep. Fantastic. In a heartbeat. Well, to both of you and to all of our viewers, happy writing. Thank you. Thank you.